Welcome back. Richard, it's great to see you again. Good to be here. Yes, it is. Ready to go. That's right. And today we're going to talk about a a very interesting topic, Um, very interesting and very controversial uh, topic um, on dissociative disorders. Right. That's right. Um, Because this keeps coming up. Um, First of all, there are three, there's two sets of three here. Mm-hmm. There are three dissociative disorders. There, there are. Well, let's say that the, the reason that it keeps coming out is because um, I, I think I'm, I'm going to blame it on Dr. Google again. Um, a large and, part of the problem. And, and say that, you know, I have never experienced this before where more and more people come in, mostly teenagers, teenagers. Um, adults, um, come in <clears throat> claiming to have dissociative a dissociative disorder they they, they right. say that they dissociate that they um ha- have did you know they even use the um acronyms right. um so they've definitely you know been been googling and searching this uh, up online and and talking about it in their through social media and different things like that and so um we thought that it would be really important to to talk about dissociative identity disorder what it is and maybe more importantly, what it's not, um, so that we have a better idea as to, you know, what, what's going on with dissociative identity disorder. That's right. Um, there, there was almost a, an epidemic of it for a while. Um, it must have been making the rounds among um, teens, preteens and teens, um, both girls and boys in this case, uh, young women and young men. Um, so, so one of the reasons we wanted to cover this topic was just to sort of um, open it up, discuss it, clarify some things and figure out um, what we want to do about it. So that was one reason. Second reason is many professionals are overdiagnosing this condition. Um, as I said, there's a sort of an um, kind of an epidemic or people are talking about it more, especially with trauma. You know, mm-hmm. now that trauma has become popular, um, there's, a, there's an easy segue to um, identity disorders. And the third thing is there's a lot of confusion, even among professionals, um, about this disorder, about these disorders. Um, and when I say these disorders, there are three dissociative disorders, but the one that causes, I think, the most controversy is the dissociative identity disorder. Um, some people flirt with this depersonalization mm-hmm. issue. Um, and the third is dissociative amnesia, but that's kind of self-explanatory. That's if you've been through, if you've had a traumatic event, many times you, you either have difficulty remembering it or you can't remember it. Uh, that's amnesia. But this depersonalization is a little harder to get my arms around, at least. Um, it has something to do with feeling that you're somehow disconnected from yourself. Right. Okay. Now, what we have to remember is that uh, 70 or 75% of people at one time or another, maybe many times during their lives, experience this feeling. So the issue is when does it become a problem? Right. Yeah. And then the third is DID itself, which is really the major controversy here. Right. Yeah. Dissociative amnesia, um, to me, that that one is a little bit challenging from the perspective of, you know, lot, there's lots of times when we have a traumatic experience and we don't remember parts of it, right. Um, right. you know, from a, I guess, from a psychiatric perspective, that's what dissociative amnesia is, is that is sort of the argument that um, uh, 
you know, your brain is protecting you from some aspects of the trauma. And so it's, it's removing that memory or, or making it where you um, have sort of, um, you know, put that memory back into the back storages of your brain and you don't really have access to it. And so um, some argue that it's there. Um, you just can't consciously pull it out and, and um, experience or, you know, uh, talk about it or, or, or think about it. Um, and so you don't know, right. um, yeah. you know, it, which is a little bit different than amnesia caused by a caused by the trauma yeah. itself, like a head injury or something that creates an amnesia um, that, it, you know, because of it, because of a brain injury and you're mm-hmm. swelling or something that just creates that. Um, but yeah, depersonalization is, is fascinating because it it's, you know, um, back in the, uh, 60s and 70s, there was that, you know, they, people really started talking about, um, sort of astral projection and, and some of those kinds of, uh, sort of metaphysical things. Mm -hmm. And and that really falls in line with the way that people think about depersonalization, whereas, you know, your, 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 your identity or your, your essence has separated somehow from your body and you're remotely looking at, you know, looking down at yourself or Mm -hmm. um, sort of watching yourself go through these different life steps um, without really having a lot, feeling like you have a lot of control and and those kinds of things. And, and yeah, you know, we have all experienced or most of us have experienced some aspect of that. Mm -hmm. Um, but as you said, you know, when does that become a disorder? When does that become something diagnosable? And I suppose, you know, you have to think about when it happens without warning and right. <laughs> at times right. when you're not expecting it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But clearly the problem is with the third, which is right. dissociative identity disorder. Absolutely. Okay. And as the name implies, to dissociate has something to do with a disconnection mm-hmm. or at least it's also a, um, a lack of continuity between our thoughts, our memories, our surroundings, our actions, and our identity. So there's some fragmentation right. of those things, and they sort of separate, they dissociate from, from each other. Okay? And so um, with that in mind, um, so we want to discuss, we want to focus mainly on the dissociative identity disorder. Okay. And it is this failure to integrate various aspects of our identity, okay, our identity, our memory, our consciousness into a single, um, into a single self. In um, personality theory, we talk about he has a fragmented personality. And that's not, that's a bad thing. Okay. We all have multiple dimensions of ourselves, but we, we keep them in a coherent whole called the self. Uh, People who have a fragmented personality have parts of themselves moving in other directions. Right. Yeah. We we all, um, in in personality theory, theory, we talk about um, state and trait. Um, And and so, you know, we sort of may have this overall trait of um, extroversion, for example. Um, but yet at, there are times in our life when we are more extroverted than other times in our life. You know, right. if you go right. to, if you're in an unfamiliar place where there's high demands placed on you and things like that, you may be a little bit more, uh, you know, withdrawn and quiet and, and you know, pulled mm-hmm. away from that social scene. Whereas if you're in a, at a party and you're um, around familiar people, you're gonna, your full extroversion is going to be on display. Right. So 
so we have those broad dimensions that we that we present ourselves in. But yeah, as you as you said, that that fragmentation, you know, it, it's there's different parts of you that are working in very different directions and sometimes right. um, opposing directions where right. they are contraindicated. Certainly different, you know, if, even right. if not opposing. And that's what we mean by the uh, dissociation is that there's this self and this self and this self, and they're distinct. They mm -hmm. seem to be distinct. Whereas most of us have a single self with multiple pieces. Right. Um, now, this is a mental disorder. It's considered a mental disorder, meaning that it causes significant distress or impairment. And that's, I think, the key here is mm -hmm. that many of us have these feelings, right. but it doesn't cause us distress. It doesn't cause us impairment. We continue to function pretty well um, day in, day out. Mm -hmm. And so um, it doesn't reach the level of a mental disorder. If it, if it does, if it becomes an impairment, if it becomes impairing, then it would be considered a mental disorder. Absolutely. And when we look at the history of, of DID or, or this sort of dissociative identity, um, which used to be referred to as multiple personality disorder. Oh, yeah. We should have mentioned that earlier. You know, this, used, this was multiple personality disorder. And, and that's how many people still think of it as right. that. But the name changed. Okay. Right. Glad you mentioned that. Right. And so, and so just, just to clear that muddy water, <laughs> it's to be called multiple personality disorder is now to call dissociative identity disorder. And, and it's not a personality disorder. Um, okay. there, we talked about borderline personality disorder uh, last week <laughs> and, and DID or even multiple personality disorder, whatever you want to call it is not a personality disorder, like borderline personality disorder. Um, it's right. a, a very different condition. It's, it's not the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, but when you look at it and, and we think about, uh, we'll get into sort of the diagnostic um, criteria and, and what we think about it diagnostically in just a moment. But when you, when we talk about that, you can see how in the past, many times dissociative identity disorder or people with some of these symptoms, they were often accused of have being uh, demonically possessed, you right. know, that's right. Mm -hmm. Because their behavior would change so dramatically Right. Unexplained right. in an unexplained way um, mm -hmm. that the only thing that they had, you know, conceptually was that that there was something else inside. And of course, at those times, they talked about demonic pers uh, possession. Right. And in some cultures today, that still exists. Right. Yeah. Right. So there's a fascinating history with this that goes all well, it goes back thousands of years. But um, in 1791, there's this story, this account of um, a woman, they called it exchanged personality. Um, it was a 20 year old German woman mm -hmm. who began to speak perfect French. She behaved like a French aristocrat and spoke German with a French accent. Mm -hmm. okay? And when she was the French woman, she remembered everything she did, but as the German woman, she denied any knowledge of the French woman. Right. So there seemed to be a clear Distinction and evidence. I mean, she spoke a different language. You know, where, where in the world did that come from? In 1811, um, just a few years later, 20 years later, um, an American, a woman from Pennsylvania, this, I, I have to chuckle about this one. Uh, and I don't mean that derisively, but can you imagine? She, went, she had a prolonged sleep and she woke up and she was a different person. 
after after waking up. So, and and there are family memoirs that describe an 18 year span where she shifted between two personalities. Okay, and so there are accounts of this going um, hundreds of going back hundreds of years. Right. But the whole thing took a very definite turn in the 1970s when the book Sybil was published. Right. And, and I think everybody knows about Sybil, okay, yeah. which is the, um, the famous, um, it was a book and then it was turned into a movie. Um, and so um, in the 1970s, this, this thing, uh, we, today we would say it went viral. Right. Okay. Right. So this went viral in the 70s. The name itself um, was changed. That we talked about the name change from multiple personality disorders, which is a nice descriptive term. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1994, it changed and uh, now called uh, dissociative identity disorder, um, and that's the name that we currently use in the diagnostic and statistical manual to talk about this fragmented or splintered identity. Okay. Right. So, so when we think about the diagnosis and, and um, you know, there, and there are other accounts for it, you know, you can even, you can go to YouTube now and you can pull up, um, mm-hmm. you know, do search um, the, the three faces of Eve um, and, and those kinds of, yeah. and you can see videos of um, where clinicians have documented right. some of these experiences. And, um, and, and as we get into the diagnose, diagnostic criteria, I think it is important here to, to mention that, that this is a controversial diagnosis. Yeah, right. It remains controversial. Mm-hmm. Um, be, because, you know, it, it's, it's really difficult to, to confidently determine that, uh, that there's multiple, you know, personalities or, or multiple dimensions to a person's personality. Mm-hmm. Um, right. You know, when they when when a person switches, um, and I put that in air quotes, when a person switches, um, you know, there's no way to measure that outside of clinical observations. Right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we see it and 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 those kinds of things. Um, you know, so if a person, you know, thinking about the German woman that you mentioned a moment ago, you know how would anybody else know whether she had learned French at some other point in her life? And so she was putting on a show the whole time. Right. We, right. we don't know that. And so the best that we can do is watch the person over a long period of time and look for some of those consistencies. Right. Um, there are clinicians that will absolutely jump to that diagnosis right away, pretty mm-hmm. quickly, um, which we are, we, which we would be very cautious of. Right. Um, but, but others, you know, again, you know, sort of experience or watch for that over a period of time as we would look at some of these diagnostic criteria. So when we think about the, um, the current criteria from the DSM-5, the, the, uh, as you said, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, uh, the fifth edition that just came out in 2013. Right. As they just came out in 2013. That was now eight years ago. I know. I keep thinking about that. It seems, seems so recently, but um, Man. a long time ago. Yeah. So um, part of the criteria is that the person has to experience two or more distinct personalities or identities, um, y- you know, that, um, again, it identifies that some cultures might refer to this as a possession, um, but each of them have their own enduring pattern of, of the way that they see things, the way they relate to other people and the way they just think about themselves and the environment around them. Uh, but right. there has to be two or more. 
Um, mm-hmm. And that there is this change between them that happens. So and there's um, a disruption. The second right. thing is there's a disruption that that involves a change of of who I am or my sense of self, my sense of what I'm able to do, or a change in behavior. Um, you talk about um, the German woman. There was obviously a change in behavior, but again, without some kind of confirmation, right? You, you have to wonder and you have to be very careful. But there is this disruption of identity, right? And, and because of this, because of the person switching these identities, yeah. these personalities, there are <clears throat> gaps in their memories and, and personal histories. So the person may, um, you know, when they're, when they're, they're um, one personality, they may know who certain people are <clears throat> and um, remember certain aspects of their interactions from before. Um, but when they are the other identity, they may have no memory of those things. Right, um, right. And, and that's mm-hmm. because those memories were formed when that personality was was up front. Right. Um, and so the other personalities just don't know th- who they are. And, and of course, as you said a minute ago, it, it's a it's a mental mental health condition because it causes some significant distress or impairment mm-hmm. in, in functioning. Right. Um, so. So you have these, but, but that's the majority of the criteria there, you know, so it's, we have these two or more identities. There's a, um, a disruption that happens right. as they, as they switch and, mm-hmm. and there's some gaps in memory. Exactly. Yeah. So those are three key um, principles. The, 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 the three key features mm-hmm. um, I think are important to keep in mind. So you want to try to make sure that those three exist and find that there's impairment. Right. Okay? Now, the trick here is to take these diagnostic criteria and make a differential diagnosis. And I think this is one of those areas where differential diagnosis is absolutely essential and key to this whole picture. So you have to distinguish it because of symptom overlap. You have to distinguish it from schizophrenia because you have some of the same uh, characteristics or features, bipolar disorder because again, the same thing, epilepsy, because many times seizures can mask as this. You already mentioned borderline personality disorder. There are many uh, common features between the two. Mm -hmm. Autism spectrum disorder, and three others that frequently come up. One is malingering. Mm -hmm. Are you you just putting this on? Right. are Are you faking? Factitious disorder used to be called uh, Munchausen. Right. Right. right? And, and so are you just making yourself this way? There was an interview of a young woman a couple of years ago. And um, I think that, I think one of the, one of the um, uh, cheap channel uh, programs in, on TV that is special on this, this issue. And they interviewed a girl. And as she was talking about her many person, I think she had 13 personalities, they call them alters. Um, she had 13 uh, alternative personalities. And as you listen to her talk, is that I just don't think any of this is true. And so you begin to wonder about Munchausen, right. what's called Munchausen, now called factitious disorder. Right. And then there's a third, which is conversion disorder. People right. will, will convert um, a psychological trauma into physical symptoms. Right. right. And so you have, to, you have to make this differential diagnosis. It's absolutely critical. Right. And, and the way that I think about the differences between some of those is, you know, malingering is usually done 
to get out of something, to get right. out of trouble or to get mm-hmm. out of some obligation or something. Whereas a factitious disorder is, is to get something, get, get, something, right. or get mm-hmm. um, treatments or something like that. And, and conversion disorders are, are fascinating. They, they sort of fall into the category of psychosomatic disorders mm-hmm. and, and, um, you know, th- there's a number of them in, in there. Um, right. um, and, but it's, it, it is real physiological, physical symptoms that a person gets from that's caused from a, um, a, a psychological root mm-hmm. and, and a conversion disorder specifically is when that's done, when that happens from a, a neurologically um, right. and it affects their brain. And so you can, you can see it manifest in a lot of different ways, but, but yeah, differentiating these is, is really difficult sometimes, um, right. especially when you're talking about, I mean, imagine, trying to differentiate these diagnostically with a person who, um, you know, if the person is experiencing some of these uh, uh, fractures in their personality, mm-hmm. you know, so the report may be different at different times, their experiences may be different at different times. And, and so right. trying to weed through that again, our perspective is that it, it takes time to weed through that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, you can't just, jump on that from a, from an initial, you know, just as, as soon as you meet somebody. Right. No, this takes time to peel this, to, to peel all these layers away and to make this kind of accurate differential diagnosis. When you have this many possibilities, right. you have to wade through a person's history very, very carefully. Right. And, and it is very much a, a clinical diagnosis. Right. Um, yeah. You know, we can't, um, you can't do blood work or something like that mm-hmm. to tell the difference. Um, and, and I know you're, you're going to talk a little bit about some neuroimaging. Um, Which I was surprised by. Yeah. I was really, and, and th- this is in its infancy. The, the, there was a review article done in 2020 um, on the handful of studies that have been done. So this is very, very, very preliminary research. Right. But there are a couple of studies. There's a study that was done in 2018 that found that they could differentiate with 73% accuracy. Um, right. That's pretty high. Um, but there, there is a, a glimmer of hope that perhaps there are identifiable brain structures that um, where there are differences that differentiate um, people with DID from um, persons who don't have it. Right. Um, mainly, it's, it's where you would suspect it's those subcortical brain structures that create emotions. Right. right, the amygdala and things we've talked about before, and we don't want to get, dive too deeply into this, but um, it has something to do with fear, learning, and movement, and all the things you would expect um, that there is some problem with these areas of brain. As, but I emphasize, it's in its infancy, right. and um, there's ongoing research, but there is some indication that there could be brain differences right. in these individuals. Right. So th- let's talk for a minute about how how in the world this happens, mm-hmm. um, because it's you know, this doesn't just um, come out of nowhere. Um, it doesn't just you know, a person doesn't just uh, although, you know, the examples that we gave say that this person, uh, you know, the German woman just woke up one morning and she was yeah. speaking French. Um, it doesn't happen like that out of nowhere. Um Dissociative identity disorder and, and all of the dissociative disorders, um, whether it's dissociative amnesia or depersonalization um, or derealization, um, all of these manifest 
following some type of trauma. Um, they're, they're, the person experiences some type of trauma that, um, um, that affects them in a way that can cause this fracture to happen in their, um, in their personality. And so, you know, when we, when we see some examples uh, of some of these things, um, we might see the person, um, you know, the, the, the person's primary identity is there, but when they, when they switch, you know, they may be, um, the new personality may be a much younger person. Um, so you may have a, an adult, um, but they, the altar is, you know, 10 years old or something like that. And oftentimes that suggests that that around 10 years old might be, might've been when the trauma occurred. Um, and so that person is sort of stuck there. Um, there are some, uh, Dr. Uh, Richard Schwartz, I looked down at the book. Um, he talks about, um, this, uh, internal family systems model that he has. Um, and he talks about some of these aspects as, um, a a very adaptive thing that happens, you know, sort of before it gets to the point where it's causing some dysfunction and and some, some problems in a person's life that, he said he sort of suggests in some ways that we all kind of experience this sometimes. Um, the example is, you know, many of us will say, you know, well, there's a part of me that wants to do this, but then there's another part of me that says that. Um, mm-hmm. and he says that that is sort of at the root of some of these um, dissociative right. uh, aspects of our um, our lives because you know something that exper- that we experienced in our lives told us that you know, doing this was a bad idea, whereas there's other mm-hmm. aspects of our life that told us that it was a good idea. And, and we have these two sort of selves right. that, that we have to, to weigh out to determine what, what choice we're going to make, what decision mm-hmm. we're going to make. Right. Um, now, of course, that's on the higher functioning end of this spectrum. Right. Um, it does mm-hmm. get to a point where a person has absolutely no control over this from right. happening. Right. Um, but, but there is this wide gamut um, and that different life experiences, um, especially traumas, um, inform these uh, experiences and, and can cause the fractures that we end up seeing as dissociative identity disorder. Right, right. Yeah, so it actually, for Schwartz, it actually serves a protective mm-hmm. function. Okay. So the other thing, when we talk about diagnoses, and this is where we run into problems, um, before a person gets an and, and I can't emphasize enough how careful we have to be. And as you said, don't jump into this after the first or second or third visit. It's going to take more time than that. And it turns out that individuals receive an average of four misdiagnoses before they get to this one. And right. so it's going to take time. And they'll spend, and it takes many years of, to work through this, not only discovering exactly what it is, but then it, treating the disorder as well, <clears throat> because these are difficult things to continue to relive, um, even in therapy, even in a therapeutic session, okay? So the problems with the diagnosis, um, one is dissociation lacks a precise definition. What exactly is it? What does it mean? Second, we have this overlap with PTSD, borderline personality disorder, uh, substance abuse, anxiety, comorbidity. Usually a person has more than one thing, and that's not uncommon. But the one that's most, the three that are most fascinating to me, and, and I know they are to you too, because we've had many discussions about this. Yeah. Media informed self diagnosis. Right. 
Yeah. I'll, I'll let you riff on that one, Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it, it's, it's so, um, it's so challenging. Mm-hmm. And, and we, we did a podcast not too terribly long ago on uh, about Dr. Google. Internet, internet-based uh, Munchausen, right? In, yeah. Munchausen by internet. That's right. Um, and, but it's, it's so difficult because, uh, you know, again, there's already the inherent difficulties with the diagnosis. Um, but then, you know, a person, especially younger people, go online and they, they read about it and <sighs> they say, you know what? And, and I think that it comes from a genuine place. They, they're really trying to figure out some things that are going on in their lives. Um, but they, they go in and they say, you know, well, you know, I feel sometimes I'm a completely different person. You know, I can go here and I can act this way. And over here, I feel completely different, like almost a completely different person. And they look, look that up and they come up with the, the ID. And so they think, oh, I must have dissociative identity disorder. Um, and, and it's really tough, you know, from the clinical perspective, to deal, to manage that sometimes because people come in very confident. That's what they have. Right. And so then you have to have this conversation with, um, you know, you know, the vast majority of the time, the significantly vast majority of the time, um, the, the primary personality doesn't know about the alters. Right. Doesn't, doesn't know that they exist. They just know that they, they lose time. They just know that um, I, I don't, yeah, there, there are hours in the day or there are these times when I can't account for what was happening. Or, um, yeah, I was talking to my friend the other day and they said that um, I was, you know, acting really strangely. And I have absolutely mm-hmm. no idea what they're talking about because I don't even remember right. seeing them that day. You know, those are the types of things that we typically see with with authentic DID. But, um, you know, if you know the difference, if you know that you know, oh, I'm a very different person in these kinds of situations. And this is what I do. Mm-hmm. That's probably variability within your typical personality that we right. often see. Um, but, but media informed, you know, you talked about the book Sybil. There, there was the, um, the movie recently uh, split. Um, and, you know, there's lots of examples in, in the media, print and, and um, visual media right. about, dissociative identity types of um, perspectives. And it's, you know, people come in very confident that that's what they have. That's right. And the, and the first thing you have to do is walk them back a little bit right. to get to some neutral point and without offending them. Right. Without saying, oh, this is stupid. It, you know, they're, they're bringing you, they're presenting a problem to you. And you have to be careful with that, be gentle with that. Okay. So right. media informed self-diagnosis. The second is too many alters. And I said, Alters are the alternate personalities. Right. 1944, most cases averaged two alters. By 1997, there was 15 or 16 alters. And so as, as the awareness of this increased, the number of alters increased. And I think that's a problem of a clinician creating that problem. That, that it started to get uh, out of hand. Right. I, I, I've talked to clinicians who are, are um, huge, I don't know if I should say huge proponents of this diagnosis, but um, they, they, they see a lot of people with these types of difficulties mm-hmm. in their practice. And, you know, this referred to, you know, people as having hundreds, if not thousands mm-hmm. of different personalities. And it's like, it's difficult to, to wrap your head around 
what what in the world that means. Um, it'd be difficult dealing with two. Right. You've done it. I mean, right. You, you've done it. You've seen patients. And it's difficult managing just two different personalities. Right. What, what do you do with 20? I mean, right. Um, and and it, so it's difficult to, to, and then again, you're, you're trying to um, make sense of it, um, especially when it's a younger person, um, mm-hmm. because, you know, we're, the idea of having 15 different personalities, but you're only 17 years old. So it's like, okay, how does that work? You know, how did, how, the trauma would have had to have been really significant over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and even then it's hard to, uh, hard to process from a clinical perspective, how, right. how that could have happened. And so, so yeah, I, it, it's like a lot of other conditions, a lot of other disorders, you know, we start to dip our toe into the, that clinical water a little bit. And then all of a sudden we're drenched and, um, it, it's all over. And, um, we have taken it from, you know, what it probably is in reality right. to, you know, this, this massive, um, concern. Right. Yeah. And the final thing, one is too many alters, but the other thing is there are, th- in many cases, there are therapist induced right. DID. Right. And I think the saddest case came out, of, I think it was in Dallas, near Dallas, that between 1991 and 1997, over 500 cases of dissociative identity disorder right. were admitted um, to a single practice, to a single dissociative treatment center. Mm-hmm. It's just, um, I mean, that, that raises alarms. Right. That, to me, it raises alarms because first of all, this is, this is a very rare disorder. Right. And to have 500 in one place would be exceedingly rare because we're not talking about something that affects 20% of the population as depression or learning disabilities or um, ADHD might, or not even ADHD, but learning disorders or depression. <clears throat> this is not like that. This is a very rare condition. And to, five, to find 500 in one place makes you wonder right. um, where, where the diagnosis is coming from. And there have been reports about that, that situation, that case. Um, and, uh, you know, there were um, like Dateline types of um, news magazine shows that, that <laughs> talked about that. that and, and it was demonstrated that, you know, a lot of for a lot, most of those cases, the, um, the clinicians induced it from the in that, you know, they said, they would encourage the person to talk about mm-hmm. different personalities, mm-hmm. would encourage the person to talk, to differentiate, you know, the decisions that they would typically make from these other decisions that they made. Right. And, and right. you know, just because they made different decisions in different places, refer to that as um, mm-hmm. two different personalities. Um, right. and, and clearly that's problematic to, to think about it or even conceptualize it that way and, and to talk to a patient about it that way. Um, I make very different decisions in one setting versus a, a, some other setting, right, right. but that doesn't mean that I'm a different personality. It just means that, it, you know, the, the setting calls for something different. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we have to um, acknowledge and, and talk about these things in right. that way. Right. Okay. So our take on this disorder, first of all, caveat emptor, unless you're absolutely certain um, don't buy this from anybody until you're, you're sure. And you're not going to be sure in a visitor too. 
Okay. Right. This is a rare disorder. It doesn't occur often. And you have to be very, very careful that you're working with a skilled clinician who isn't rushing into a judgment. Right. And, 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 and th- that's part of that, that caveat is for the clinician. You know, <laughs> if a person comes in complaining right. about things, don't just jump to that diagnosis, you know, mm-hmm. pause for a minute, you know, watch the person over a period of time, you know, really explore some of the, the symptoms and characteristics and, and make sure right. that that's the right diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, because it is rare, you know, right. it doesn't happen very often. Right. Second, be careful with recovered memories. I right. think there's enough evidence now, even in the, uh, in the news and popular press, that um, recovered memories are probably not accurate memories. Yeah. You know, probably not accurate. When we think about, you know, and, and we don't, we're not going to get into the neuropsychology of, um, of memories. Won't do that. However, um, you can change when done in a, in, in out different right. ways, you can change a person's memory and they have no idea that you're changing their memories. Exactly. Um, right. the use of different, you know, when, when a child, um, or someone discloses that a child has been abused, mm-hmm. um, you're only allowed in our area, at least you're only allowed to interview that child a couple of times right. because we know that the more that the child is talked to about it, the more, right. uh, the, the different number of people who talk to the child about what's happened, you know, a word said here or the way the question is asked there mm-hmm. is going to create some adjustments in the way that they remember things. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get to a point where the kid is um, uh, has completely changed their story, but has but absolutely believes that that's what happened. Right. Um, right. Because they don't they, they can't appreciate how it's evolved over time. Our memories change. Mm-hmm. Um with each experience that we have after an experience, memory keeps changing. And so be mindful, be careful about recovered memories um, Mm -hmm. because you you don't know how authentic they are. And and it it has nothing to do with faking it. It has nothing to do with um, confabulation or or anything. Genuinely speaking. Um, So yeah, be careful. Right. And then if you can, get a second opinion. If you can't get a second opinion, make sure you and the professional have worked through this very carefully, very methodically, and that you get some confirmation from other people, family members or friends. Absolutely, It's not always possible to get a second opinion, but when you can't, then just proceed cautiously. Um, Also, if you do get the diagnosis, be very, very cautious, be suspicious if the professional starts talking about uh, numerous alter 10 or 12 or 15 or 18 all, what we call alters or alternate personalities be begin to get suspicious right. if somebody's trying to sell you that because if somebody's saying you have 15 or 18 you're looking at a lifetime of therapy right possibly and so be careful um, be very careful with this one right and, and with all of that in mind um, you know if a person is presenting this, um, if a person fears that this is mm-hmm. what's happening to them, um, I, I think it is important that we ask that question. You know, what what happened to you? What is exactly. going on? Right. There's that great book uh, mm-hmm. that came out not long ago, um, written by uh, Oprah and um, Bruce Perry, Dr. Bruce, Bruce Perry. Right. Um, and the book is called What Happened to You. Um, and 
and they talk about the yeah. uh, the long term effects of trauma, right. and um and and this is one of the the risks of um, long term risks of of early trauma, and you know talking about what happened, what what experience right. the person mm-hmm. has has had in their life is really an important way to explore some of these possibilities and to, to delve a little bit deeper into this treatment for this is exceedingly difficult. Right. And you said lifelong, it takes a long time because the goal of, of therapy of treatment is to reintegrate it is to bring those personalities back together. And um, I, I don't know another way to say it, except the personalities tend to tend to oppose this. They tend to, to, not right. want this because in essence, you know, if you think about you have these two identities, yeah, right. um, you to, have them for a reason to integrate them means that one of them has to go away. That's right. Uh, another way to say that is one of them has to die. Right. And they don't right. want to, they don't want to go away. They, they, they are worried about the other, uh, the, the right. primary identity or their, um, their, again, as you just said, they're for some function, some purpose, um, mm-hmm. and they don't want to. And so it's going to be really resistant. Right. But that's the goal of treatment, and it takes it takes, it takes a long time. Um, and um, and there there are treatment centers around the country that that help yeah. focus on this, but uh, yeah. but it's really difficult. Yeah, because you always have two issues here, um, two big issues. One is you have to deal with the trauma, right? That alone is a challenge. Absolutely, because people don't, as Schwartz said, we don't want to look at this stuff, right? And, and you have to be very careful. Uh, when you're asking people to revisit these traumatic events. Right. So you have the whole trauma issue. Then if you deal with that successfully, now you have the identity issue. Absolutely. Which could take even longer. Right. Okay. So yeah. it's a very, very complicated and, and can be a very time-consuming process. A- absolutely. So, so be, be cautious, be mindful. Um, you know, folks, don't, don't, you know, just go with what you're finding on Google and, and, you know, just do all that confirmatory stuff that we do and find all the examples to demonstrate right. that, yes, this must be what I have. It, it's very rare. Um, it, it's, it's very, um, it's very difficult and very, um, uh, you know, it really affects your, your functioning mm-hmm. and, and can cause a lot of problems for you. So um, if you're, if you are worried that this is what's happening, you know, go see a trusted professional uh, and talk about it and really um, delve into it to explore what's going on and, and right. get some help. And be, be mindful of those cautions, those caution flags. You know, um, if somebody starts moving in those directions, um, listen carefully, but be careful. Absolutely. So, mm-hmm. All right. Well, that then is it for today. Until next Good. time, stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid.